0: Okay. Hey everybody. This is Jacqueline Kitzman from Awaken Tarot, the Instagram, the podcast. You guys know this. You could say it. Um, my guest today is someone I've been so excited to have on um, for like weeks and I just could not get my shit together due to the pandemic. But okay, you guys are all going to know her too. Her name is Sarah Corbett. Sarah, can you say hi? Hi. So good to be here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've We've had, like, a whole conversation about Tara that you guys won't even hear for the last half hour. Sorry.
0: Yes, we've had three podcast episodes before we recorded anything. Um, I'm very excited. Sarah, I, again, like, I told you this in a message, and I've told you this uh, 15 seconds ago, but I'll say it again. Like, you're a person that is so big in this community and so respected, and I've, like was over the moon to be able to like have you come on and talk about tarot because, as you said earlier, you've been, you've been doing tarot for, like, 10-plus years. Ten years
1: almost now. I was thinking about that earlier today because I figured you would ask me about, like, how I came to tarot and when this happened. And yeah. I realized, I was like, damn, it's been ten years. I think this is the first time in my life I can say that I've, like, done something for a decade. Which <laughs> is um, incredible. Yeah, it's nice. It's cool. It's interesting. My relationship with tarot has changed a lot. Like thinking about like the whole evolution of when I first found the tarot deck and then like how I use it now, it's so different. Um, It's really the only thing I have in my practice that I've had such like a long history with and been able to look at in these different components. So it's been nice to think about that and reflect on that today in like prepping for our time together.
0: Yes. And that's so beautiful. Like it's, it's such a part of you. Like it is really like developed, like you're like, cause I'm assuming mid twenties, you know, like that's like a large portion of your, that's half your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I found tarot when I was like 16. Well, so my first experience with tarot, um, my best friend, when I was like a sophomore in high school, she had, um, the whole Rider Waite Smith deck, like she had each card just like on her door huh. in order. She used them at, she had them like as decor. I think her sister or her mom was into tarot. Um, but I remember like falling asleep at like sleepovers and stuff and like being asleep in her bed and looking at these cards and being like, huh, what are those? And then within that time, like learning more about it. And I think like, her mom or something did a reading for us one night at a party. And, um, Whoa. I was really interested in it, but then when I was sixteen or seventeen, I was at the metaphysical shop, um, like the oldest one in Atlanta. It's been around since the seventies. It's like a staple here, the Phoenix and Dragon, and a deck there just like totally jumped out at me. And I what wasn't deck? even there for a tarot deck; like I wasn't looking for that. I just I saw this particular deck. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, what so deck? Much- <laughs> Ah, man. Well, ah, damn. It has roses printed on the back. It's very like soft and feminine and very Venusian. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's terrible. I have like 20 tarot decks, so, <laughs> um, I can't remember all of them. Um, but I can picture it perfectly. But I found it there. It was on like the bottom shelf. It was really speaking to me. It really spoke my language and they didn't have it. They only had like the promotional copy that you could flip through at the store. And so they had to order it for me and it took like weeks for me to get this deck. Um, And then I ended up finally having it in hand and just like really diving deep. For those first couple of years with that one deck and it was a rider weight based deck but I had never actually had like a rider weight deck in my hand until I had already been practicing tarot for like three or four years
0: yeah um, I, I feel like that's common I I didn't start on the smith rider weight either I actually my first deck was a barnes and noble smith rider ish one yeah uh, but and then I got the line strider and then like about a year after that I ended up with the smith rider weight uh which is interesting uh,
1: I actually got, like, I have my centennial edition right here. Like, I actually ended up getting it because I was like, I think, like, as a tarot reader, I should probably have this. When I started reading for other people, I picked that deck up because it was just like, it's the most well-known. Everyone recognizes recognizes it. I felt like the deck that I had and, like, a few of the ones that I have collected over the years, they all have like very specific personalities and they weren't really great for certain kinds of readings. And so I feel like the Rider Waite Smith, and I really like the Centennial specifically because the colors are a little bit more muted. They're so nice muted. So nice. Um, But I got that deck initially to read for other people because it was just like the most neutral. Well, I have one deck that's um, like an old French Egyptian tarot. Deck, it's more like it's kind of more Marseille style, um but it's really spicy. I can't I can't use that deck with other people. Like it's really mean. <laughs> it's really spicy. It's really spicy. I tend to use it for career readings because it's just like super fiery and really intense. But that's not if someone wants to come and talk to me about the relationship. Like that's not the move.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I I have a deck that I use. Specifically for when like I need information handed to me in a really <laughs> soft way and I use the considerate cat tarot for that. I, I love, love that deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet. It's yeah, so that's
1: sweet. Of it. That's definitely the vibe of it. Then I, I have like I don't know, I have some more modern ones. I have my partner's primary deck is the Visconti Sforza. Um, oh, how cool. That one a lot. And then I have um Oh my gosh. I have so many Then I have the one that's like all Art nouveau came out two years ago. I can't remember what it's called. And I like that one a lot for like personal, emotional, intuitive stuff. I primarily work with the pig in other worlds for myself. Yeah. Um, another one that I don't really use with other people. Um, I don't know. I have, I know some people who really like swear by that deck and they're like, that's their their ride or die main deck, but I really just use it for myself.
0: I do too. I don't, I use it for ritual and for body stuff. So, fun story um, out of nowhere, and I don't know how it happened because no one else uses the deck, and I didn't put the card anywhere. The star card is missing from the deck. Oh, I can't, I can't find it anywhere. Below. Yeah. So like the deck is specifically, I think that was its way of saying like, this is specifically for you. So I use it. I don't take it out of my, my office area that way. Um, it stays in there and I use it for ritual purposes and for like really quiet moments when I really need to like figure out what's going on with me, but it is such a solid deck for that.
1: Yeah. I also tend to use it in specific seasons. So like right now we're recording this, it's Taurus season. I really liked it. I really like that deck for more earthy times of the year. Like it tends to feel really resonant with that. A deck that I've been working with um, since the fall and just more recently also is the Wildwood Tarot, which I find to be like really deeply ancestral and really beautiful. And I like using that when I'm doing more like ritual work. Um, But it's so very different. Yeah. The regular a normal tarot deck. So I've found that, like, that's still a deck that I'm having to learn. It, I can't really like extrapolate traditional definitions and understandings to that particular deck. So mm-hmm. it's one that I'm having a lot of fun with. Um, but again, one I would only really use for myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, but and it's fun like that. I I have a deck like that. It's the <laughs> the uh, Carnival at the End of the World tarot, and yeah. it's so um, it's so bizarre. But I there's something about it that I love. Like that part of my brain that just doesn't function, you know, cause a, a lot of intuitives, like we have a part of our brain that doesn't like function in society very well. Um, <laughs> and it, it fits so well with that part of my brain. It's like, oh, you're going to set this man on fire. I totally understand what that means. I don't know what it is about that deck, but I just love it.
1: <laughs> great. I've never worked with it, but I know a few people who really, really love it.
0: It's just very interesting. And I love, I love that. Um, I'm not like, I have a lot of decks, but I only buy them if I feel like I need to. And a lot of times I feel like I need to, cause I give them to other people. Like somebody comes in and I'm like, Oh my God, like this deck has been waiting for you. But I have like five decks like that I use for myself, yeah. um, that I'm very passionate about. And carnival at the end of the world is one of those decks, which is <laughs> so weird. Sarah, do you want to pull a card? See what we're going to talk about today? Yes. Oh, so excited. So, I'll pull a card, and this is going to be our whole conversation. I'm always, like, really nervous. I'm going to do, like, 52-card, 78-card pickup on something in here. Okay. Our card is... Hey, Seven of Pentacles. I was just writing about you.
1: How are you doing?
0: <laughs> we were totally just talking about the Seven of Pentacles. Sarah, this is your
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like this morning I woke up and I saw this beautiful piece of art that it was like the painting of Circe with the bowl of water like pouring water out. And I was like, hmm, yes. And then I saw this like other painting of a woman by the sea, like casting her arms out to the ocean, and I was like, wow, I'm in a really queen of Cups mood, and then like an hour later, I pulled the Queen of Cups, and now I've been working with the Seven of Pentacles for the last like three hours, beating my head up against a wall. Now we're gonna talk about it. Here it comes.
0: (laughs) I I swear to 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 source like every time I do these and like I pull a card, like it is so applicable to the person pulling it, and then it becomes (laughs) applicable to me because I have been pulling this card in regards to like again fertility stuff, just like waiting um kind of the vibe of the card right we see a gardener standing there yeah
1: hmm what's going on here
0: yeah you know like and i there's a there is a deck and it's actually it's the mother piece which has a lot of issues but the specific picture that they have for this card is always really stuck with me and it is a pregnant woman So, or person, I shouldn't say woman, it is a pregnant person um, sitting next to a vine full of very ripe watermelons. And for whatever reason, and again, like this deck is super problematic, but that one picture has always really stuck with me in the way that I interpret this card of just kind of like, you have these things you know are coming because it's very obviously like you are pregnant or you have watermelons, but it's not quite time to carry that and pick it up or share it. Yeah, and so
1: like what I was writing about this card today because yeah. I'm currently on a project working, like every month I'm trying to kind of give myself an assignment of writing a little zine for my Patreon subscribers. And I have like this seasonal medicine box that I do every month for folks that's based on the season that we're in. So I've been writing my Taurus one really belatedly. I normally, like we're halfway through the season and I haven't finished it yet which is very Taurus, um, but I've been reflecting on the cards that are assigned to Taurus, and this particular one, the Seven of Pentacles, corresponds to Saturn and Taurus. Um, but, you know, Taurus as a fixed earth sign, and we see in this card is this guy looking down at a garden, like me being someone who works with plants and who is a gardener, when I really think about this card, I really feel um, kind of that sense of when you've we see this a lot in this time of year in the garden, like the seedlings have already taken off. Things are going well. You're kind of on this precipice of like the plant almost being there ready to bear fruit. But at any moment, it could just die. Like you have no idea really, like you're just in this very in-between space of is all this work I've put forward actually going to bear fruit or is this going to fail?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. It is such a, um, it is such that it's very similar to, I think, kind of like nine of cups energy in that way of kind of like, these are the things that you want to happen, right? These are the things you want to grow and develop. Now you have to trust that these things are capable of doing it Yeah, out of your control at that point.
1: And that's exactly what I was writing about today and talking about like the astrological correspondences of Saturn being this like majorly constrictive planet uh, who's a traditional malefic planet. And one of the things that's kind of annoying about this card in terms of what it makes us face is like, we there's things outside of our control that we are now being, like we're under the pressure of, and that's really obnoxious. It makes us want to like, not, we, we tend to be impatient. We want to grab the fruit before it's truly ripe. Um, We want to scrap the whole thing altogether. It's just kind of this like forced pressure that we have to learn how to deal with. And that really seems like part of the evolutionary potential of this particular card of it being like just that kind of in-between space and teaching us like, you have to just trust the process.
0: Yeah, and and sevens are such a sevens and tarot is such like a self realization or self awareness number. It is such a enlightening number that brings us from a six, which is very this is how we feel. These are the activities we want to do because it feels good, to like seven, which is like okay, now here's like the broader ramifications of the things that I want to do. So you know, in the seven of Pentacles, we're kind of in this place where we've done everything we can. We have tilled, we have watered, we have weeded. Now. We're, now we've done everything, so what happens next? Just got to stand there and look at your plants. you just got to stand there. But you That's also, great. like you said, Taurus is a fixed sign. So it's not just enough to, like, have done everything you need to do and then walk away. You have to do everything that needs to be done, and then you have to fucking stay there. Yeah. And, like, be there
1: for what happens. Yeah. I'm part of the, uh, like negative side of this card is major fear of failure. And so like I, today I've been writing about this, the five, six and seven of pentacles. And I find like in doing that process, um, as compared to last month where I was writing about the Aries cards, which are, you know, the two, three and four of wands, which are very much like, okay, this is like a clear path forward. The five, six and seven feels very Different in the suite of Pentacles, like it's very much. Oh, I'm scared that I'm not going to have enough, and then oh wait, I actually have to give to receive,
0: and then it's like okay, but wait, but what if I fail? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's almost like you're like a yo-yo going up. Like the the Five of Pentacles is really really hard, especially like for so Pentacles really deals with like community and body and health primarily before. Yeah, finances yeah. and money. But like when I pull that card as a human with chronic illness, I'm like, motherfucker! Like it's about to, it's about to be a thing. Um, and it's really, you know, like it's so easy to go to like the panic of it, and then into the six where it's like, okay, like I have to be willing to like say what I need, or say like mm-hmm. what I need help with, or you know, if somebody else in this pos- is in a position like this, know how to help them. And then to the seven where now it's kind of like, okay, like I've taken care of myself. I've gotten through like the contractive part of things. And now I just have to trust that because I've worked so hard to manage my pain, it's going to like go away.
1: I was going to (laughs) say leave. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really interesting evolutionary process through the deck. And then again, like in the eight, it's still kind of like, (laughs) just kind of plodding along here. I don't know. The pentacles, I guess, being more concerned with our material world and physical form, it's going to inherently be a little bit more like slow and steady Mm -hmm. rather than um, like, I feel like the cups have a much, I don't know. I'm, I'm very much a water body. I'm, very much ruled by the water element, so I tend to relate more with the cups, but I feel like it's like much more of a clear flowing process. Yeah. Only because it's the water element while like plodding along in this earth aspect of the pentacles is really just kind of like, okay, and now the next step.
0: Yeah, barely moved any. <laughs> yes. And like, Sarah, I agree. I'm a very, I, my chart is ruled by water. I'm a very watery human. Um, I only have like, I don't have any earth. In my chart, besides a generational planet. And I get very, like, in the pentacle suit. Like, I'm very, um, I also have BDD, which I think is interesting. So, like, I'm very disconnected from my body in general um, and how I interact with the physical world. I'm very in tune with who I am inside and how I feel and what I think and what's brought me to those things and what makes me feel alive internally. Externally, when you put me in the real world and I have to figure out what's happening, I'm a mess. I don't have any fucking idea. And so the suit shows up for me in that way, very, very much of the time. Well, and the pentacles
1: overall have always been kind of a difficult suit for me. Like, um, I've had the hardest time going past their most just like practical surface level meanings of being concerned with like material wealth. Um, You know, like it's easy to look at the six of pentacles and be like, or this even the seven and just be like, oh, okay, I need to like give away money or I need to focus on like, I'm going to reap what I sowed and whatever mistakes I made, I'll learn from them. And this is the cycle of life. And sometimes the garden dies. Sometimes it bears fruit. Like I can see just that like base level meaning, Yeah, but it's always been so difficult for me to really connect to this evolutionary process because it's so concerned with like taking any spark of life and molding it and shaping it and compressing it like a dime like coal to a Mm -hmm. diamond and creating a physical form and that's just like not how I relate to the world
0: Mm -mm. well no because you work with the world very intuitively so your work with with the earth with plants it's very intuitively let like yes like obviously like you've done a ton of research but your love of that stems from you know that watery part of you and so it's kind of this weird state of being like oh no like There are rules in the, like, that's my problem. Like there are rules in the physical world. There are no rules in the water and fire and swords, but there are way too many rules in physicality and the material. And I think that's another, we were talking about the Hierophant earlier, you know, when we did our two podcast episodes secretly, (laughs) Uh, we were talking about people struggle with the Hierophant. And I feel like that really fits. Like it is so difficult to like function within the realms of like the laws of the world. Well, it's this weird card, right, that's Mm -hmm.
1: ruled, I mean, it's ruled by Taurus, which is fixed earth. But the whole thing with the Hierophant is that it's like his whole MO is taking down the crazy mysteries of the universe and like bringing them down and grounding them into physical form. So it's not this idea of just like, oh, you're just like stuck in the earth and you're grounded and you're rooted. It's like, oh, wait, no, actually... I need to understand these hidden mysteries. I need to understand my inner truth. I need to actually live that to ground it down. It's, yes. so it's not just like baseline plane living on the earth thing. It's this connection between the higher and the lower worlds and finding yes. the fusion of that and distilling that knowledge into wisdom so that it can be lived as your experience
0: yes it's like fossils and leaves and like rings and trees and it's like that emperor like we think of like the emperor too is being very like rigid and not moving because of the but like the emperor the reason they have survived is because they are so willing to flex with what's needed and the hierophant is that same kind of way like it has taken what we learned in the emperor the card before it and been like okay so like this is how you stay so now let me show you how to do it
1: well, and if we think about those two cards, also, like, for, with every king, if we look at, like, ancient civilizations, and specifically what I'm thinking about is, like, the Celts, because that's part of my own ancestry. Nice. Each leader had their druid. Each emperor had their hierophant. Yeah. We had the person who made the decisions for the betterment of their people and who cared for their people like children. And like really, really wanted to bring goodness and abundance into their life, the Emperor. And then we had the Hierophant, who was the keeper of the wisdom and like making like sharing these traditions and distilling all this information and keeping that alive for the people as well. And I think they really, really go ha- like they go hand in hand. Every card of the tarot is going to be related to one another. That- um But those two cards in particular, like we were talking about before we actually started recording, they seem to be the two that people have the most issues with. Yeah. Um, And I know that's not like directly related to our seven of pentacles, but it is. um, It it kind of is. Part of the evolutionary process of the pentacles is one, like being practical and creating things in a physical way and experiencing life in a physical way. Form, um, but it's also this practice of like letting go and not being so rigid and learning what it means to be grounded, but not like a boulder
0: who's buried ten feet deep. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be willing to erode or bend or flex. And you know, like this has come up so often. I sometimes I look at the seven of Pentacles in regards to like an evil, like in the pen- suit of Pentacles in general, but the evolutionary process. And that has been a lot on my line, like my mind lately, as. I watch what is in real-time survival of the fittest happen Mm. in the protests happening across the United States about reopening. It's interesting. It's horrible. But also it's interesting because there are some of us as a species, because we are animals, that just don't understand how to stay alive. (laughs) And it's... it's (laughs) I mean... And it's our, like uh, our emperors
1: haven't been very helpful.
0: <laughs> no, they they have not. It, but like it's just it is sir. It is evil We are watching evolution happen with people actively choosing to not do what it takes to keep them as animals safe. We're we're watching kind of like this old way, this old patriarchy, this old way of being, kind of fade out. And we are all kind of in a seven of pentacles situation in I our homes. I'm like, how's this shit gonna go down? Yeah. Who's gonna die? (laughs) And I mean, I hate that. That's
1: like okay. So saying that sounds like we don't have compassion. Sorry, but I'm very much in the same place as you. I mean, personally, this whole pandemic experience, um, as someone who has a chronic illness, like I know you understand. Nothing about my life has changed. You know, I'm used to being in isolation. I'm used to being at home. I'm used to being chronically concerned about surviving in a real yes. way so like everyone kind of has been joining me in the party yes and so part of me is kind of like mm, yeah welcome this is what it's like but then of course the other part of me is like deeply mourning the amount of grief people are experiencing as their entire way of Living in the world is like collapsing in front of them. Then there's another part of me that's very much like, Well, but like, didn't you see a little deeper than this, y'all? Come on. Um, look at what we've been sowing. Look at yeah. what we've been growing. is How did you not see that this was a problem? Um, and I feel very much kind of just Seven of Pentacles y, just kind of sitting here in my garden, knowing that I've done everything I can do, but there's still a lot of ways of being in the world that we're seeing aren't going to work and we're going to have to learn from those mistakes and we're going to have to dream a new reality into the world. And that's like the only way we can get through this. I mean, this card is represented by Saturn in Taurus. That's itchy. That does not feel great. Taurus is already a sign that's super stagnant in general. Like it is very prone to stagnation. It doesn't have to be, like it can also be this really beautiful, sensual, experiential sign. But Saturn is constricting.
0: Mm-hmm. Saturn
1: is cold. Saturn bears down on you. And in the like larger astrology of what's happening in the world right now, there's been some stuff happening kind of related to Saturn and it's um, sign rulers and a lot of just like itchy feelings are happening in the greater cosmos and in our reality of lived experience on this planet. And it feels like this downward bearing pressure. And are we just going to like sit back and give in to knowing that we can only do what we can do? Or are we going to like trash the whole garden and self-sabotage? And I think that's kind of the two different sides of this particular card.
0: It is, it is. And it's, it is kind of this, it is very much as somebody like, I live in Tennessee, which is one of the states that's literally been like, fuck you all, we're opening. Same, I'm Um, in Georgia, it's terrible.
1: Like, they opened, and then our rate of potentially getting sick went up by 40%, so it's
0: fine. It's fine, but it is, like, it's it's terrifying. And to be kind of in this place of, like, you know, like my husband and I have already talked, like, we have decided, like, when things open up, We will not be opened up. We will not be going places. We will stop. We will embrace the seven of pentacles type situation. We will hunker down and wait to see what happens and see when it's safe and see what fruit like is grown in this new terrain, this new kind of like cosmic place we're in. Because that's what you do when you're like put in a situation where things are bearing down on you. You hunker down and you look to see what's going to happen next before you make crazy decisions like eating out. (laughs)
1: Well, <laughs> And hey, look, y'all, I will say with this whole vibe, I've been spending a lot of time in my garden. So me in my hunkering down situation, I'm really hoping that in three months when the world should still be shut down, whether it's shut down or not, I'm just really living life like the queen of pentacles. I love it. I, I want to be surrounded by a shit ton of fruit and beautiful plants and my little cat hanging out there. And I want to have all this abundance. And like, that is who I want to be at the end of this. I don't want
0: to be panicking. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? What with you saying that, and I want to just tap on it. Um, You don't have to be out of the growing process in the waiting process to enter an Eight of Pentacles mindset, right? Because you just said it. So interesting. We're not out of the situation. We're still hunkered down. We're still fixed. But you're making this place for yourself. You're already working on the life you want to have in this new normal. So you're in tandem dealing like physically in your in the real world with a seven of pentacles situation and your mind and body and desires are at an eight of pentacles situation. Um, which is part of the beauty of integrating tarot
1: as um, a map for How to experience growth and change in your life. Like I see where we are right now, but I'm already looking towards the future and seeing, well, how do I get to this next place? How do I prepare myself for that? How do I do that with a sense of groundedness and practicality and rootedness so that I can experience the greatest potential for um, positive growth? Nine of pentacles. It's like shitty and uncomfortable. I mean, I'm still deep in grief and sad. And, um, like today I did a ritual practice that was all about like bringing, it's like holding a prayer for healing for the greater wider world right now. And it's like deep and hard and terrible. So I don't want to just say I'm like hanging out in my garden and thriving in quarantine. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can hold space for both realities of it being really difficult and knowing that we have to like pause and wait, and it also being this potential of like allowing t- ourselves to like go and feel peace and have trust and faith in that process so that we can still
0: go to the next step. Yeah. It, and it's, and if that, and that's not easy because there's a lot of conflict, right? Like, you know, between like I'm doing. I like my, physically myself, like I'm an introvert, like I'm mostly quarantined when there isn't a pandemic um, <laughs> I, I, I I'm living kind of this best like ideation of my existence, which is where no one physically expects me to be somewhere because with a chronic illness, I don't have the energy to do those things, and people that don't have a chronic illness don't understand that I don't have it in me to go out every single night of the week i don't I don't even know. The only time I
1: ever went out regularly was when I didn't care if I was sick or not, like when I had no care for my personal well-being, and so I was just saying, like, fuck it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I am thriving in quarantine because, like, I have major social anxiety. I can talk all day long. I can chat with people. I can get on Zoom and, like... Really go at it all day, but I have this like terrifying fear of if I'm out in a public situation, what happens if I get sick? What happens if I'm not safe? X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. So being in quarantine has been really like enabling me to not have to face those particular demons.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's. <laughs> And that's good. Like, you know, like for, you know, and that, and like, I'm just, I don't like to go like, and I don't like to make plans in the future because like, I also have an anxiety of canceling things if I'm sick. So it's just kind of like, can I let you know day of, um, or I'm going to look like a flake. But in this situation that, that, that we're in, I have found it very easy to like be a human with chronic, like, it's not easy ever to be a human with chronic illness, but I have found it easier in this world to be a human with chronic illness.
1: Yeah. People don't expect much from you, which is nice. They just- I hope that this I don't know. I hope that from this I hope many things, but in relation to what we're talking about now, like I hope that people can hold space for our reality in addition to the wider reality of this world. Yeah. Um and I also hope that people start giving a shit about things that matter rather than just like hold, propping up this terrible uh exploitative patriarchal economic structure that we like think is the greatest thing in the entire world like i hope people like everyone in my neighborhood has turned into like a weekend farmer it's so cute there's all these beautiful gardens everywhere everyone's like hanging out with their kids outside like the there's this noise on the streets the air is cleaner like i don't love that our situation is what made us do that. But like, I really hope people hold on to that when this is. Yeah. Yes.
0: I, I have loved going on walks and being outside and sitting with my husband and like growing flowers, like in our yard, or there's like a huge field of wildflowers, like less than a mile from our house. We walk to, and we just go like, we have the time to sit in there now because we're not like, where are we going for breakfast and where are we going to go later? You know, like we have found the joy of working with and, Going to a field of wildflowers instead of the French restaurant in East Nashville. You know what I mean? Which is not there because tornado. But like, <laughs> it's been a weird time in Nashville. Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I think they've just had storms too.
1: I don't know. Nashville, yeah, it was a weird place. Don't come know. to Nashville right now. We're not safe. I've only been in Nashville once, and I don't know. I'm from Atlanta, so like. I get the whole South vibe. Nashville's like takes it to an extreme. When Nashville's when I was there, I was like, mm, the city is too clean. I'm like
0: it doesn't have any grunginess to it. it doesn't got to go to East. Well,
1: to
0: it. You got to go to East Nashville or what was East Nashville? East Nashville is where <laughs> all of the Nashvilleans go. Um, that's where like all of your like hipster, pagan, liberal, like Broadway is tourists. Yeah,
1: Broadway's terrible. East
0: Nashville's cool. Yeah, but, but still, it's not Atlanta. No, I love Atlanta. I have, uh, yeah. I, I've been, in, I've been through Atlanta several times, and um, next time I we drive through, I'll have to hit you up and be like, "Where are you? Can I get <laughs> in your garden?" <laughs> Two miles from city
1: center. Wow! But I still have you know half an acre of green space. It's great.
0: Listen, your yard is gorgeous. Like I just look at it, and like here's the thing: I rent, so I don't have control of my yard. But someday, like the dream is to live somewhere outside of an HOA's view and a landlord's view.
1: Until we had this house, I lived under an HOA and I lived in a condo and I still gardened on my patio. And it was like constant getting yelled at and having people fight with me and like, me doing, I remember like I would do rituals on my patio and I have this like little cast iron cauldron and my na- I'd be like burning things in my little cauldron on my patio and all my neighbors would just be like, what the fuck?
0: I love it. Dude, <laughs> listen, like when Gabe and I moved in this house, the first thing that went up was our entire like mantle place altar, like including the cauldron we put in our fireplace. And we had a huge open window and we didn't have a curtain yet. And People, like, we had to get, like, a huge curtain because people were very concerned about the pagans that had moved in. And Gabe and I were like, we're very normal. We're not, but we're very nice. You both look like the most normal,
1: like, not, like, you're not, no one would look at you and be like, she's a witch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was well, it's because I nanny, right? And I nanny for, like, a pretty conservative family. If I had my way, like, shit would be different, but... I have to dress like I, at some point, went to church on a Sunday, Sarah.
1: At some point. Yeah, see, at my house now, like, I don't know. I have this little teal blue house, and, like, all around the yard, it's just flowers and all this stuff, and I'm, like, trying to turn it into this cute little cottage, and we're, like, letting the field next to our house grow wild, and I really hope every child who, like, rides their bike by my house is, like... The girl who
0: lives there is a witch. Oh my god, the dream, the dream, right, is to like be the witch on the block. Like That's,
1: that's what I want to be. Lately I've been like the digital witch on the block, but um, I'm. Ex- I hope I can like become our actual village witch in this time of reconnecting back in with like what it means to be humans who live yeah. in communities, not who buy all of their things off of Amazon.
0: Yes. And also like I feel like this is like this whole conversation is the lighter like side of Seven of Pentacles too, which I think is really interesting. Like how do we like how are we presenting? How are we growing? How are we wanting to be? Like I just um I love it. Can I tell you what you've taught me today? Oh yes. I love to do this at the end of my at the end of the, the um episodes. I like to tell people what they've taught me. So I have to tell you, I did not know that Saturn corresponded with the seven of pentacles, five of pentacles, and the eight of pentacles. But it, um
1: so in the Saturn, hierophant. So S- Saturn and Taurus corresponds to the Seven of Pentacles. The six of Pentacles is ruled by the Moon and Taurus. Okay. And the five is Mercury and Taurus.
0: So Taurus. Yes. I did not know that. No, and didn't. as you've <laughs> talked about it, and just like the bearing down and like how it's very serious and relates to the Hierophant in Taurus season, I swear to God this card that I have been, again, cause like I'm trying to have a fucking kid. Um, this card that I've been pulling and been like, what is it? Like, it makes so much more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to like the weight of it and the seriousness of it and the fixedness of it, I had not correlated specifically the seven of pentacles with Taurus energy, but you saying that like, even though Taurus is an earth sign, right? Like Even with that, like, it's not like it just like that connection hadn't happened in my brain.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a fertile sign. It's ruled by Venus. But if you're consistently having a seven of pentacles kind of vibe, I mean, Saturn's like constricting and cold and barren and malefic. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. bring a Venus practice into your life. If you're yeah. you to free yourself from that, like really soak into the, bask in the lushness and sensuality of this side of growing a garden yeah. and creating a fertile soil for life to literally grow. Um, and I think that can be like part of the remedial quality of this, yeah. kind, of ener- this kind of energy and card.
0: And it's so important, especially like, and I think most people that follow me are like, they know I have endometriosis and uh, interstitial cystitis. So I have this, this whole like conglomeration of shit happening in my reproductive organs. Um, And my whole, every woman in my family has had a hysterectomy by 32, um, both sides of the family. So I'm kind of like, I'm 26. I'm in this battle of like, if I want kids being able to have them within the next five-ish years. Um, Hope for you though, endometriosis, I mean, as a clinical
1: herbalist who works with people who have endometriosis, there's so, like, there's so many good sides of this that you can experience as well.
0: Yes, (laughs) and I'm so hopeful because also every woman in my family has procreated, so I'm very, like, (laughs) yeah, so I'm hopeful. But I also just, like, so that is what you've taught me, but I also have to, like, tell people, okay, Sarah has, and I have like several of your, of, um, your products. I have passion flower for my anxiety. I got, and I use it often. Uh, (laughs) no one needs to know how anxious I am, but I use it a lot. Um, and actually like I have found that I love it more than like rescue remedy. Like I, I have found that like it works faster and better than rescue remedy, which is what I had been using up till then. I have your toner, which has saved my skin.
1: Yay.
0: I need to make more of that, actually. I love it. I cannot recommend this toner enough. And I use this little ginger clary sage warming balm you have Mm -hmm. when I have like really bad endo days and I fucking love it. And so does my husband. He loves the smell (laughs) of it so much. He steals it from me. I have to like shake him down for that, for that balm. So I just have to like tell people like, having Sarah on is like a really like fun and big deal because like this, you're like a person whose profession, what you do with like clinical herbalism is something that like, not only do I think is badass but it's also something that I have benefited from in the, in regards to herbal medicine. (laughs) I'm
1: so glad to hear that the stuff that you've gotten from our shop has helped. And, um, I don't know if you've tried our moon cycle tincture or not, but I've tried But every time I go, it's sold out, which means that it's really good. It's some now, but I know you're trying to conceive, so it would be (laughs) contraindicated for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, creating our products has been a joy. And I used to actually create a lot of our products kind of revolving around archetypes in the tarot. And it's something I might revisit more in the future. Um, Lately, I've just been kind of playing with, seasonal medicine and like the passion flower you know that's a plant that's native to our bioregion you can probably find it around nashville it grows everywhere here um it's a plant that i really love to work with and i'm really trying to just kind of let curiosity flow and um see what medicines want to be made in this time but of course i have my clinical practice as well and like see people directly for their concerns and get them herbs that are specific to them and then we talk about like. I don't know. I've been thinking about my clinical practice lately. Cause first and foremost, I came to doing the work I do in the world, like as a tarot reader, I started Rowan and Sage as a tarot reader. And then like, I started doing more herbal work and then I started a product line and then I started seeing people. And I also have a background in yoga education and, ah. and like I was a yoga teacher for years and I have a bachelor's of science in psychology and I have like post-grad education in all these different areas. And then I also have like a ritual practice and a witchcraft practice. And so like the things that I talk about in my clinical sessions, like we'll talk about actual herbs, then we'll talk about cultivating a intuitive practice with tarot or meditation or movement. And it's like, I need to find a better way of describing what I do because it's really so many things depending on the person that I'm working with and like how witchy they are.
0: (laughs) You're, you're just kind of like mother earth over here. You're like, you're doing all of the Gaia things. Uh, I really want to
1: like my ultimate dream for my life. That's becoming more real to me as I, you know, I, I passed the threshold. I'm 26 now I'm getting closer to 30. So like the dream I have for my life is very different than when I first started my business and I was like 23. Um, I want to be like an old crone who has 50 acres of land and like a couple of little yurts and women our age, like live there and like work on my land with me. And I teach them just how to like live their lives in a connected way. <laughs> Sign me up for yeah, you. Right? Like that's what I would have wanted when I was 20, you know? Yeah. And so, kind of the direction I've been going with my work and what I've been thinking about has really been like, what are the core pillars that people need to have into place? And some of that could be like, I mean the main one is they need to know how to trust themselves and that's ultimately how I use tarot. Um, So that's really like the one tool that I bring in there. And then it's like, well they need to learn how to be at home in their bodies. And then we're talking about movement and healing trauma and like psycho spiritual stuff. And then They need to learn how to relate to the outside world and like all these different things that um, is really encompassed in the way that I see the world. But now I'm really trying to figure out how to make that more of a practice because I don't want to like, I don't read tarot for other people anymore as a profession Mm -hmm. um, because that didn't seem to be just it for me. I don't want to just see people clinically as an herbalist because that's not, the whole thing, like, there's so much more to being human on the earth, and like being a human who's relating to the past, present, and future. So I'm really like in this also seven of pentacles moment of being in an in between kind of like mm, I've been growing something, but what kind of fruit is it going to bear?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't really know yet. <laughs> I love that connection. It's all oh my god, terrible. What? It's so great. You were like, I'm getting there. I loved yeah. it. It's, I mean, listen, um, th- just like the vision you have just sounds like something that like we all. So at this time, like desperately need and like learning how to work with the earth is going to be something that more and more, I, I don't think you have to be a psychic to know this more and more is going to become necessary. Yeah. Like not going to get less necessary. I I mean, you look look, no. Like if we look at history,
1: gardening in particular has come and go in times of um, lack versus times of abundance and like whenever there's been a major historical event that happened, like if we look at World War One and Two, people yeah. started planning victory gardens and that's not an isolated incident. Like that has been going on for thousands of years when humans feel a sense of terror and a sense of um, concern around our basic needs being met, which is what we're experiencing with this pandemic. Like, well, overall, um, I think there's a lot more to the pandemic than just an illness. Like, I think this is much more about seeing societal structures collapse versus a physical illness. Like, I think that's the thing that's more jarring about it. But that whole experience is making us question how all of our needs are being met. And of course, returning to the earth, getting our hands in the soil, actually taking control of creating something and having some semblance of groundedness that we're doing what we can to survive. Mm -hmm. Like that's just human nature.
0: It is because we are like at the end of the day, like our bodies, what we came from and like what we'll go back to. It's, I read there's It's dirt and start, you know, I read, there's a book and I, I'll have to put it in the show notes that I read, um, to my nanny kid. It was like online, um, through like, um, one of his school sites. Right. And it's called you are stardust. Mm -hmm. And it is a very, um, almost like spiritually scientific way of like telling just telling you, like, just how special you are for even just fucking existing, like, where you came from, like, that a star had to burst, like, millions of years prior to, like, come to earth and dust form and create this, like, environment that produced everything around you and all of the people there, and I feel like that's such a seven of pentacles mindset, too, of just, We are stardust and everything that comes from this. Even the things that we try to control going back to the earth is that too. See what you can make from it. Um, There's
1: a sense of, you know, as a clinical herbalist who practices in the vitalist tradition, my entire ethos for the way in which I work with people and plants is really helping them to understand that like you are a reflection of nature, you are nature, the way in which you have to treat your body. It's like looking the inner terrain of your body is a reflection of the ecological terrain around you. Um, and one of the biggest things that's being exposed through this pandemic right now is this false sense of separation between us and the natural world and people are finally realizing like, oh, fuck, that actually we can't sustain that that doesn't work and the earth is making it abundantly clear and to me it's really this like big five of pentacles situation where in the five of pentacles we see you know these two figures out in the cold and like the light is on behind them but they're not going into the church they're not being receptive of the community that's there and the warmth that's there and they've created this focus on being so afraid that they aren't going to have enough materially that they've found themselves in spiritual poverty And like, that's where I see the world is at right now. And then there's the few of us who are a little bit ahead and thinking more like the seven of pentacles and being like, "Mm, okay, I'm just going to wait and see and watch this garden and see how it grows. But so many people are stuck in that challenged mindset and like not sitting back and saying, actually, you know, I am part of this earth. I I am directly interconnected with it. I can go to the church of the planet and connect in and find community there and found, find grief there and find, or find solace in my grief there. Um, and so that's like something that I've been thinking about a lot lately as well, um, is that sense of separation. My friends and I actually recently wrote like a whole zine about it called "What to Do when the World Stops." That's basically when I was editing it, it was like every, we didn't plan what we were going to write. We just kind of were like hey, let's come together and write this thing to help people cope with this situation. And the common thread through every piece we wrote was just like, connect to the land, connect to the land, connect to the land. The earth will hold you. Like, this is what's important. Go back to the land. And it was so beautiful to see five or six of us, six different writers write 10,000 words collectively in all different ways, but just had like that core thread. And that seems to be what's most important right now. Um in getting through
0: this. God, that's beautiful. I wanna I don't wanna like I don't wanna mar that. I wanna like yes, (laughs) God Sarah, beautiful. Um, is that like for 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 people, like tell them how they can see a copy of that zine if they want it, how they can connect with you and work with you, um, if they want to. Yeah. So um, the zine that
1: we wrote is called What to Do When the World Stops. The first volume came out on Beltane. So just a few days ago. Um, And it is in, it's on my website in my shop at rowanandsage.com. I'm sure Jacqueline, you'll link that up. I will. Um, But that'll be available for the next couple of months. And we're going to try to do a volume for the next few, like we're going to do one on probably around Mabon, and then we'll probably do another around Yule. Try to kind of bring it around the wheel of the year, Um, but we're only gonna do a couple of volumes because it's really focused on like how to get through a pandemic era and post however this plays out. Yeah. But then also in terms of the other work that I do, I have a clinical herbal practice. I do see clients one-on-one and I bring a lot of like the science and spirit of herbalism and intuitive practice and all the different things we've talked about in there and all of that's on my website as well. And then in terms of tarot, I don't, like I said, I don't read for other people right now. um, But I have this whole like super secret project on the relationship between tarot, astrology and herbs that I've, been working on for like two years and I'll someday release it. Um, so every now and then like on my Instagram and stuff, I'll bring in some tarot to what I'm talking about, but know that like, it's still a huge part of my life, even though I don't outwardly talk about it all the time. Um, and it's definitely a way in which I see and relate to the world.
0: I love it. I just I have so much mad respect for you. And actually, we're gonna we're gonna get off and record some bonus content here. I think about that a little bit of that thing. Yeah. Oh, a little bit about that, Sarah. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm gonna hit. Re- I'm gonna stop recording and I'm gonna talk to you. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Bye, everybody. And hi, everybody. Uh, I had just the most amazing conversation with Sarah. She is. So smart and so educated, and knows what she's talking about, and just has the biggest heart for helping people. And I highly encourage you to check out her website and look into what it takes to work with her. If you have any kind of health issues, especially any kind of chronic pain, she just is a very nurturing person. And this career is with clinical herbalism is it just is in her blood and also her uh, green thumbs as well. Uh, but as we all know, this is the part of the podcast where I come out and start tap dancing, but um, but um, bum, bum. It is the collective reading. This coming week, <laughs> I'm so happy to see this card because I feel like it's been a really long time since we've had a card of just like pure um, fullness. <laughs> and this coming week, we're going into the Ace of Cups. You know, I think that this is not a card of everything's better, go out and eat without your face masks. That's not what this card is saying we so often when things in in chaos and tragedy happen, we think about all of the things that we've lost. And, you know, many of us have lost a lot. Um, Our jobs, money, homes, (laughs) the socialism, not socialism. Well, kind of Bernie dropped out. Anyway, socializing is what I tried to say. But, you know, we've also kind of reconnected to as sarah said earlier in this episode nature and intuition and this desire to connect and you know that fills us emotionally and i think this is a nod this coming week to think about not just what fills us but what fills others what keeps others safe how are we filling them are we are we going out into into the wild without our masks and gloves and getting other people sick or are we taking the appropriate precautions Are we filling others by being there for them and talking to them and sending them love, or are we just kind of shit-talking? You know, all of these things, it's basically, we're being encouraged to not just keep our cups full, but to help others and be there to help fill their cups as well, Um, because at the end of the day, to stay alive, we have to be there for each other. We have to stay alive, but we have to keep others alive as well, you know, whether that be literally or figuratively um, and emotionally, all of those things uh, uh, we're at the end now. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to Sarah for being on. You can find all of her information in the show notes. Big thank you to Gabriel, who y'all don't know this, but right now we are staring um, at the program that we use to do this podcast. It's upside down, um, because my husband had to update his computer, and the whole program literally, um, was, <laughs> like, reloaded in like puzzle pieces to his computer and this champion of a bald man figured out how to get this podcast out, um, for you all, um, tomorrow. So big thank you to Gabriel who is our editor and our producer and who made the theme song. All I do is talk and I don't even do that very well sometimes. Uh, so big thank you to Gabriel. And uh, I guess, like, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things really help get the podcast out there. Thank you to everybody who has said such kind things this last week about the podcast. This podcast is my baby while I'm trying to have a baby, and I'm just so thankful that it resonates with some of you and that you love it, and I assume it'll just keep going on because I'm quarantined and there's nothing else to do but talk to people about tarot. Uh, Thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.